Hey guys, it's Hadley. And it's Emily. And the bitches are back. And things are going to get dark. Damned. And disturbed. We are back again. Hi. Oh. So this one's probably, this one should be another little shorty. But this one's super freaking interesting to me. Um, I had not heard about this. And then I was just kind of like, sometimes when I can't find inspiration for something, because um, there's so many different things I want to cover. And then I get like overwhelmed because I'm like, ah, and then I can't remember any of them. So I'll go like look at um, the Supernatural podcast with Ashley Flowers that I really like. I'll go just like sift through some of the episodes I've listened to from that. And then I found one here and I was like, oh, I didn't S it. So, fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> That's the one. This is the one. So, today, we're going to Norway. We're staying overseas, y'all. Hope you got your passport. You know, does not. my next episode is also overseas, so. Wow. Hope you guys brought your passports. Hee <laughs> Mine is literally right here. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't have one. I know. You're a loser. It's fine. <laughs> a tee. <laughs> You're broke, just say so. I am. It's okay. <laughs> so, in a remote part of, I believe it's Bergen, Norway's East Dalen Valley, a body was found in November of 1970. It was the morning of November 29th, and a man and his two young daughters stumbled upon the body. They found the corpse sprawled across some rocks, and they said that the arms were up in like a, a boxer type things i'll imagine she she was like this you know rocky anyway um and the body was found in a pretty strange manner all of the labels had been cut off her clothing anything that was a distinct marking on her belongings had also been scraped off so whoever did this was obviously trying to cover up their tracks Mm -hmm. and her body was also severely burned um, Isdalen is known by some locals as Death Valley. It is a place where people often committed suicide during the medieval times, and in the 1960s, some people went out hiking, and it was foggy, and they fell to their deaths. Um, okay. That's that's a real fear of mine, because, like, I really want to go hike Mount Rainier, but, like, I can't walk on flat ground without rolling my ankle, so... Anyway, you know, <laughs> last thing I need is to break my ankle out on a mountain. I have to get helicoptered out of there. <laughs> But it would make the trip back down a lot faster. It sure would. Um, (laughs) You could just Uber it. (laughs) A pissing chopper. (laughs) A pissing chop. A pissing chop. And one of the issues with this woman that they found was she was really just not emitting normal hiker vibes. Okay. Her body was found in a place that was apparently out of the way and a very unusual place to be walking. And that was said by one of the very first officers that was also on the scene. But he also said, a, quote, a strong smell of burnt flesh. Um, the body was burned all over the front, the face and most of her the face and most of her hair. Um, but strangely, the back was not burnt. It looked like she had thrown herself back from a fire. 
police cannot tell how long this woman had been there. They said that she was so badly burned, they had no way of even beginning to identify her, and they really did not have much to go on. Police were able to obtain some personal objects from the woman. She was wearing some jewelry, and from what I could see in some of the pictures, it looked like she had some earrings, a watch, and one ring. But it wasn't the objects themselves that the police found interesting. It was the fact that they weren't actually on her body. Okay. They had been taken off her body and placed to the side. And police now think that this was possibly done as like some kind of ceremonial thing or like a ritual. And they also found rubber boots and nylon stockings, which all had the labels removed. Every article of clothing that she had was severely burned. And they also found some bottles at the scene and all of the labels had been scraped off and like removed from those as well. From some eyewitness testimony, police were able to determine that she was five feet, four inches tall with long brownish black hair, a small round face, round eyes, and small ears. She appeared to be between age 25 and 40 and her hair was in a ponytail with a blue and white ribbon. So that's like the last person that saw her. That's what they described her as. Okay. Because police had no name, no I had no name for her, she became known as the Eastall woman. Strangely enough, the next clue comes from the train station. Two suitcases were found in the luggage department. They contained clothes, multiple wigs, German and Norwegian money, a comb and a hairbrush, makeup, teaspoons, and some eczema cream. So you know only the essentials. Because if I personally, if teaspoons. I travel anywhere without my teaspoons, it's over. Just take me back home. I ain't teaspoons. got no business. I don't have my teaspoons. You never know when you might need a teaspoon. You're not so, lying. You know, if I don't have my teaspoons, take my ass back home. I mean, maybe, maybe back to the house. Maybe her teaspoons uh, were for drugs. Could have been. So police were really hoping that these suitcases can help them, you know, find more clues, figure out who she is. Uh, but all the labels to everything had been removed. Um, even the sticker on the there was a sticker on the tube of eczema cream because it was a prescription ripped off so they can't, they can't find nothing Okay. and they reached out to other countries like literally we're talking to department stores in other countries to see if anyone from any of those stores could, would recognize the packaging that the makeup was in because all the labels had been scraped off of it Yeah. and they found nothing they did find a mysterious note that seemed to have been written in some kind of, like, code, and they could not crack it. The only thing they found was a bag from a shoe shop, and the owner's son remembers selling a pair of rubber boots to a, quote, very well-dressed, nice-looking woman with dark hair. The boots he sold her seemed to match the ones that were found with the body, and they also found an umbrella with her that was linked back to a local store. The son said that she left an impression on him because she took a long time, and he said it was much longer than most, to pick her boots out. He said she spoke English and had a calm and quiet expression. He did also note that she had a strong smell coming from her, which he believed was garlic. Like, damn. Okay, then. That, like, what is it? What? Maybe, maybe she was just trying to. Maybe she was just trying out. to keep the vampires away, girl. Right. Like. Y'all be y'all be kicking people while they're down. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, Not only I is she like, dead, but she stunk. She smelled like garlic. <laughs> and so, like, <laughs> wait, this is really messed up. Um, she smelled like garlic. And she, I wonder if, please forgive me. I wonder if when she like got burned, 
She smell like roasted garlic. She. She smell like roasted garlic, like a, like a roast. Okay, guys, thanks so much for listening. We're gonna go ahead and end the episode here. Here come the one star reviews. <laughs> That's not funny. This is it, guys. We're canceling the show now. Beep beep beep. Bye. You, you can't. Don't lie. That's kind of funny. It. <laughs> I mean, I feel like honestly, though, like logistically, I feel like the burnt flesh would override the garlic smell. Just yeah, but she had some seasoning. But I'm not a girl. <laughs> Oh my god. What if she really did like you maybe there was a method to the madness with her smelling like garlic? Like maybe she like sprinkled some garlic powder or like kept little garlic clothes in her pocket. Who knows? There might be this so there's a few different theories about who she is and what she's doing what she was doing there. So she really may have had a reason for smelling like that. Like it might have been some type of tactic that she was using. Who knows? Anyway. So, um she smelled like garlic. She smelled like a, you know, some cheesy bread from Hungry Howie's. And Yum. based off what he told them, <laughs> police were able to link her back to a hotel nearby and figure out that she was checked in under the name Fenella Lorch, but that is not her real name. Okay. They figured out that she was staying in multiple hotels all around Norway using different names at each one. What's the most interesting part about this is to show, to get a room at each hotel she had to show a passport. So, to have gotten a room at these hotels, she would have had to have had numerous fake passports. Yeah. Um, they linked her to a total of nine hotels across four cities with six different names. But she was also staying in these hotels from, like, March of that year up until a few days before her body was found. So, Miss Girl was busy. She mm -hmm. was, She was working. She was a working girl. Um, and pretty much everyone who talked about her or had seen her or interacted with her kind of said the same thing. She left this impression of being a nice, well-dressed, and elegant woman. And she, she smelled like garlic. She smelled like garlic. And she was seen at one hotel talking with, like, German naval officers. People said she spoke English, but she was also talking in, like, she would say phrases and stuff in German. Mm -hmm. And she would frequently ask for her room to be changed while she was staying at these hotels. So there was um, once that she asked for a new room three separate times in one stay. So she was, like, bouncing around the hotel. She's obviously able to speak multiple languages. She's, you know. I want to know who were you. Who were you? Who are you, Miss Girl? Mysterious. People are now speculating that she was a spy because it does make sense. They didn't get a ton of tourists in this part of, tour of this part of Norway, and she spoke English and seemingly other languages. And it was around the time of the Cold War, and so Russian spies were very common in Norway at the time. Police were eventually able to decode that letter that they found. So she would basically list out where she was and what dates she was there, but she would do it in like a very weird way. So she would write out like 022028P and they were able to decipher that that means October 22nd to October 28th, Paris. And so they were able to crack it, but they sent out her description to all of the 
places that were like there was a few different cities that she listed and so they sent out descriptions of her to all of those cities like the local authorities or whatever and they couldn't they couldn't link her back to anything they couldn't figure anything out she had to so, be a spy i i think so when they did her autopsy they found an unexplained bruise on the right side of her neck possibly from a blow to her neck or a fall they found no signs that she was ill in any way so she's not sick she's not you know she, she ain't got no no diseases. She had never been pregnant. She had never had a child. Her death was likely very painful. They said they found some particles in her lungs, which showed that she had been she was alive when she was burned. Oh no. They found gas on the ground below her body, which makes them think that it was either used to start or accelerate the burning process. And they also found fifty to seventy sleeping pills in her stomach. But they had not been fully absorbed into her system yet, so that those weren't necessarily the cause of death, like, directly. And they were also noted to be a foreign brand of sleeping medication. What if she did they, it to herself? They concluded that she died from a combination of sleeping pills and carbon oh. monoxide poisoning. I'm ahead of the game. Also, they also said it was probably suicide, but not many people believe that. Yeah. I don't know. Something about it, it doesn't... It doesn't seem like suicide to me because you can also stage a suicide by yeah. doing something like that. like you know because why would you want to kill yourself by burning yourself to death i low-key think she was a spy and it's a cover-up that's what i think they had no more leads and the case went cold they buried her body in february of 1971 police thought that she may have been catholic so they organized a catholic funeral for her her coffin was decorated with lilacs and tulips, and they laid her to rest. She's buried in a zinc coffin that will not decompose, and police have a ton of photos of her funeral in hopes that maybe someday family will come forward and they can share the photos with them so that way they have something to remember her by. Another clue that police found is that she had 14 teeth that had fillings, and she had several gold crowns, which was odd for somebody her age, and that type of dental work was not done in Norway. A dentist professor kept her jaw hoping that someone might recognize it, but he died, and then people thought that he destroyed the jaw. But eventually, the jaw was found in a cellar at a university hospital's forensic archives area. And this jaw allows police to try to identify her because of more modern testing. So, police took samples of her tissue from her organs and stuff, and they have been stored in hopes that one day testing could be done. And it's a common practice in Norway to obtain, like, tissue samples from people, like, when they're doing autopsies, because they want to save them for testing and examinations. So, shout out Norway, because y'all been ahead of the game for a long for time. I was going to ask if they was... kept any tissue, you know, like, DNA tests yeah. now, like... Yeah, and so this is the 70s, and so literally, you know, 50 years ago, they were... They were smart. ...hoping that maybe one day something... And I think it became more common as time went on, like, you know, because they started to be able to, like, do with, like, fingerprints, and then you could look at hair under a microscope, which the hair under the microscope thing is not very... Um, yeah. It's not very concrete, but like DNA testing, I think that they knew it was coming. They just didn't know when. They just had to wait. Mm -hmm. And so people started to store things more commonly. 
So they sent the, the, the samples off for DNA testing eventually in an attempt to find any possible relatives for her. And the results show that she is of European descent. And as of 2016, they were unable to... Uh, they were trying to contact European police forces to try to look for a possible DNA match, but as far as I could find, they haven't found anything yet. Hmm. So the case of the Eastall woman has been unsolved for now almost 51 years, and police and a ton of people in Norway and people around the world are hoping that this modern DNA and forensic testing that we have can bring some closure to this case. Um, modern, more modern testing they've done has concluded that she's probably closer to age 40 than 30 and people in a Facebook group about this case have managed to figure out the origins of the teaspoons that were in her case that were in her suitcase okay. um, one man went out with his metal detector one day and he was um, you know he's bebopping around with it and it started going off so he started digging and he hit something and he found a purse so how the purse was buried he believes it had been intentionally buried there and it was very obvious that the bag had been there for a while because it was very disgusting and it was found just 40 meters which is like 120 feet from where her body was found mm. it's got a purse so when they started doing forensic testing all they found in the purse was dirt oh. they found nothing else um, and police do think that it was possibly a child's bag because it had very short straps on it. So they had no way to like concretely connect this to her. And then this one's, this is super interesting to me. So there's this lady who is in the Facebook group and her grand, I believe she's in the Facebook group. Her grandfather worked with the police in the area at the time. And she said that her grandfather was absolutely broken by this case. He was not working directly on the case, but one of his very best friends was one of the people that were working on the case. And her grandfather, so she said that like one day she just asked her dad, like, what happened with my granddad? And he was just like, we don't talk about that. Like, we're not going to get into this. And then finally, she just like, I guess she just kept bothering him and was like, literally, please tell me what's up with him. Like, what happened? What's the deal? What is the deal with this case? And eventually... Um, she finally got her dad to break down and end up just like telling her. So her father ended up telling her the following story about her grandfather in this case. So I literally just copy and pasted this from the thing because it was a lot to type. So I'm just going to quote it exactly, but the article is linked in the show notes. So I'm not plagiarizing or stealing it. Thank it's you. Below. We cited it. It says, quote, I want, I waited to write to you until I had heard eight episodes. They're referring to the podcast. And then you started touching on the fact that there were possible links to some foreign intelligence and possibly Israel, she explains. So she basically, she reached out to the people that make the podcast and her father would not talk to them, but her father gave her permission to share the story with them. Okay. So she waited until she felt like they had gotten to a point with their show. Um, and then she sent in this letter to them. So... Yeah, you know, I waited to write to you until I had heard eight episodes and then you started touching on the fact there were possible links to some foreign intelligence, possibly Israel. That was when I knew I had to write to you because the second after, my father said there was something about some links to Israel and that is why the case was shut down. 
once the police in Bergen had started working the case and digging deeper and found some connections to foreign intelligence, it seems like that was when the local police were shut down. Hmm. Hmm. That's some big brother type stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Police had a theory that she was working monitoring top-secret trials of the Norwegian Penguin Missile, and that she was possibly, also that she was possibly a spy for, like, a non-government agency. Um, but basically, everyone, everywhere, all has a different theory of who she is, what she was doing, why she was there. Um, she was a spy, she was a secret agent, she was tired of doing her job and she killed herself. Like, that's, you know, kind of the gist that people are going with now. And people are determined to solve this case. There's a podcast. The podcast is called Death in Ice Valley. And they have a Facebook group that has over 20,000 members in it called Death in Ice Valley Facebook group. The podcast has been streamed over 5 million times. So they're definitely a popular podcast. I do want to add it to my list. But you know what this whole thing reminds me of? Hmm. Uh, don't f with cats. <gasps> I love that show series show. Like it's essentially the same thing. Like mm-hmm. it obviously more modern. Like they didn't have the same like difficulty with the evidence and whatever. But like it was just a group of people on Facebook who were basically just like vigilantes for these poor cats who were being brutally murdered, and then the videos were being posted online, and these groups of people on Facebook from all over the U.S., all over the world literally did a better job investigating and figuring out who was doing these things than the police did and Mm -hmm. then because of their efforts like people didn't take them seriously when they called but with this it seems like because the police don't really have any other choice they seem to be taking it kind of seriously like if they find any new evidence or anything or whatever but like that just shows you the power of social media because social media can be such a good it's such a double-edged sword it can be an amazing resource for people in cases like this because you know, there could be somebody who had an, an aunt that went, an aunt that went missing 50 years ago and they haven't seen her again and they're in, I don't know, the Czech Republic or something and they stumble yeah. upon the podcast and they're like, oh, okay, that sounds like my aunt, you know, she went missing and it could crack the cake, it could solve the case. There are so many benefits to social media, especially with stuff like this. There's a lot of downfalls with it, but there's a lot of good things that come out of social media. So you would be surprised if you think you know something or you think you know someone that might know something. It doesn't hurt to share that information if you're comfortable sharing it. Because like we say all the time, when these cases go cold, the only thing that solves them are people coming forward with new information, new tips that maybe they were scared to share initially, or the DNA testing, DNA evidence, because a lot of cases are now being solved. They talk about it on Crime Junkie all the time. It's called the Doe Network, or yeah. they use the Doe Network. It's the Doe Network, and then they also use, like, uh, like genetic testing, basically. So you turn in a sample, and then they're able to basically tell within a certain degree how closely related the DNA sample they have is to a person that donated their sample. So this woman, you know, they have her DNA on file. If there's a, I don't know if there's a similar network or a similar program in the, in Europe like this, I'm sure they probably have one, but you know, someone could literally just donate a sample and then they find out that like 
you know, based on the percentage, they kind of give an idea of like, this would be a cousin, this would be a brother, a sister, an aunt, like mm -hmm. whatever. And then they figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. But I just want to know, like, do, who do you guys think she was? It's unsolved. I, I think she was a spy. Me too. She I think she was a spy. I want to listen to that podcast so badly, but I just, I have so many that I need to listen to and I don't like to listen to them when I'm like by myself <laughs> and I can't listen to them when I drive because they make me sleepy. So Same. I really have to like, I have, I have to listen to them like during the day in the morning, like when I know I'm not going to mm -hmm. be in it never but like at 10 o'clock at night, I'm like, oh, I really want to listen to a podcast. And then I end up having nightmares and I'm like, no, okay, we can't listen to podcasts anymore. <laughs> Let's like, not do that. And I also really try to, when I'm home by myself, I try not to research cases, especially ones that are about, like, brutal murders or hauntings or anything at, like, 10 p.m. I try to yeah. wait until, try to wait and do it in the morning. But that is the case of the unsolved case of the Eastall woman. But like I said, let us know what you guys think, because I'm very intrigued by this, and I really hope that one day they are able to solve it, because... I want to know. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I told you, this one is, like, very interesting, and I had no idea about it, and, like, I just couldn't... I'm really on a roll here lately with finding these cases that don't have an answer, and I hate that. She's doing I a good job, y'all. How did I get here? I don't like that. I'm gonna have to find something else for next week that's not... Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not unsolved. But, yeah, guys, so that is the Eastall woman, and sorry that I, if our schedule stayed the same, I think both of these episodes are coming out on the same week that are kind of shorties but like i said in the last episode we just have a lot going on in our personal lives at the moment so we just wanted to make sure that episodes still got out mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they are a little shorter over the next couple of weeks we will be back to some normalcy and we'll be able to get good not that these are bad but like normal like longer episodes out but and um, great quality great quality yeah leave us a review if you want to um please only leave good ones just kidding i guess you can leave a bad one if you want but it'll hurt my feelings i'm not kidding um, though only good ones please <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah leave leave a review check out our socials it's dark damn disturbed podcast on instagram dark damn disturbed pod on tiktok it's dark damn disturbed pod at gmail.com if you want to email us anything and then we also have the facebook which is did i say facebook i don't remember facebook was say it again podcast facebook.com slash dark damn disturbed but we will catch you guys in the next one bye, bye.